Hi there, and welcome to Emmanuel. This is our weekly teaching podcast. We hope that it encourages you to live a little bit more every day like Jesus taught us to. God bless you. Scripture this morning, I've asked them not to put it on the screen right now. Uh, reading from Matthew chapter 10, and sometimes it's just good to listen to Scripture. So if you would just kind of put the listening ears on, and I am reading from Matthew 10, verses 16 to 22, and then I'm going to add on verses 26 to 32. Jesus prepares the disciples for persecution, is the title in my, uh, in my Bible, the New Living Translation. Jesus said, look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. He's talking to his 12 disciples. He's sending them out to take the good news. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. But don't be afraid, Jesus said. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. But I tell you now in the darkness, shout it abroad when daylight comes. But I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my father in heaven. But anyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my father in heaven. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Take just a moment with me to pray before we look at this passage for teaching. Heavenly Father, thank you for scripture. Thank you for the gospels, the life, the words, the works of Jesus Christ. Thank you that we read in the gospels of how Jesus came to die for us out of your great love, out of Jesus' love for us, suffered but rose again. And Jesus, you are at the right hand of God right now interceding for us, and we are so thankful. I pray this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture that you would keep me behind the cross. If there's anything at all that needs to be forgiven, Lord, just forgive that, that I might be a pure vessel to teach from your word this morning. And would you open our ears, open our eyes, speak to our minds, 
But Lord, help us also to take that to our hearts, that you can touch our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we look at this passage of scripture, often when we're watching a scary movie or into a suspense novel, and that can be Christian as well, we would say, okay, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is only a story. It's only a story. And we go to our newscast sometimes with much the same type of a mindset. And we see the wars and the volcanoes and the riots and people going through garbage heaps just to get a morsel of food and crowds rushing over to a truck that has supplies and aid. But we think, don't be afraid, that's over there. It's not going to happen to us. Because today we are in Canada. And it's Canada Day. And we will hear, we will sing and we will hear sung, Oh Canada. True north, strong and free. God, keep our land glorious and free. So from Matthew 10 that we just read, yes, those are unsettling words of Jesus, but I think even though we might say it out loud, not say it out loud, we think to ourselves, no, that's not going to happen to us. We're in Canada. Canada, strong and glorious and free. Think for a moment. If you could just sit down, across the kitchen table, across the dining room table, face to face with Justin Trudeau and or Stephen McNeil and talk to them about issues of Canada, issues of Nova Scotia. What would we want to discuss? What questions would we ask? What changes would we want? Will we get into discussions about our education, about the security of our country? about the environment, clean air, clean water, gas prices? What about the waiting lists for medical assistance and help? What about our crime, our legal system, maybe our pensions, our imports and exports and the trade war that's escalating with the U.S.? Maybe food inspections, student loans and student debt. Government reform and being honest and transparent from our government. Racism, immigration policies, genetically altered foods, foreign aids, seniors, seniors' homes, seniors who want to stay in their homes. So many questions on this Canada Day and Canada Day weekend. A lot of concerns about what is happening in Canada. And we are free in this country. And we need to be so thankful but at the same time not take those freedoms for granted. Some of you are working and raising families, you're paying mortgages, maybe your jobs are being threatened or you're searching for work. Some of you are in that sandwich generation of caring for aging parents, trying to raise your children. For young people like our graduates, last week we had graduation Sunday. All this future ahead, the world is exciting and challenging, but it's not without its fears and uncertainties. And for some who might remember wars of the past and even remember some about the Depression, we're wondering, are we repeating, are we going through a cycle that we're repeating history? How vulnerable is Canada? in being free. Oh, Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Dr. J David Jeremiah wrote a book about six years ago entitled, I Never Thought I Would See the Day. The day when Jesus' name would be so profaned, when morality would be in free fall, 
when marriages would become obsolete, when the church would become irrelevant, when Christians wouldn't even know that they're in a war. Those are just some of the chapter titles. I have the book if you happen to want to borrow it. And I'm reading a book right now by Karen Kingsbury called In This Moment. And it's Christian fiction, but it's not fiction. It's about religious freedoms. It's about a principal who turned his school around from drugs and crimes and dropouts and suicides by offering a voluntary Bible study after school. Wasn't even trying to persuade people to be baptized. Just come on in and learn what the Bible is saying. And he's being sued, facing jail time, losing his job. And his only fiction, situated in the United States, surely not a threat, nothing to worry about for us here in Canada. Religious freedom ever threatened like that in Canada? But if we are going to stand up and be counted as Christians in this country of Canada, I believe that the words of Jesus in scripture that we read this morning are just as much for us as they were for that day or for any other country or place. In fact, there is one commentary that I was reading on this passage where the commentator says that we have these very specific instructions that Jesus came and Matthew recorded them because Matthew undoubtedly felt that they were not just for that one day and that one occasion. They were going to be for the churches to come in the future. And the commentator asks us this question, how might these apply to the mission of your church today? How might they apply to Emmanuel? So as we look at this scripture this morning, today's theme could be this. If we go where Jesus says go, standing up for him in genuine obedience to him, we will suffer. But will we go anyway? So chapter 10 opens with Jesus sending out his 12 disciples in this case. And who does he send them to? He's sending them again in this case to the Jewish people only. But there will be other missions that Jesus sends more people out and to other places. But the message that he wants his disciples to take is in verse 7. Go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near, he says. He says, heal the sick and raise the dead. Cure those who have leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. That's quite a mission trip he's sending his 12 disciples on. But we can only imagine, as those disciples heard that that day, what their faces must have looked like. You're sending us where? And you're sending us out to do this on our own? And Jesus tells them to take very, very little and he says, rely on the hospitality of Christians as you go. And then we have verse 16. I ask that to be put on the screen. From the verses that I read. Jesus says, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. Can you imagine? Picture a lamb. And all of these wolves around it. That's how scary it was. And if we are really, really hearing Jesus... He is saying something like this. This is a quote. The hours will be long. There will be menial tasks. You will be stretched beyond your ability. You will be asked to do what you do not know how to do and you cannot do. And you will find opposition from three areas, from your church, from your country, and from your friends and family. 
If you are going to be Christians, right here at Emmanuel, it is a call to joy, but it is also a call that is not an easy journey. And in verse 16, he also says, be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. And that seems quite straightforward as we read it. But Jesus is telling us to be both and to keep them in good balance. Think about some of the Christians that you know. Think about yourself as a Christian. How often are we one or the other? Think about Christians who are just shrewd like snakes. They can be so manipulative. They can be dangerous. And on the other side, we have Christians who are innocent and they're harmless like doves. But they can be naive and they can be in danger. So both in balance, as Jesus has shown us in his ministry, as he leads us and teaches us, both shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. And what about that opposition that we will face from the three areas that Jesus names? Verse 17. For you will be handed over to the courts and you will be flogged with whips in the synagogue. That's opposition right in our churches. That's religious people. Vernon McGee says, quote, I've never been whipped in a synagogue, but I have been verbally whipped in some of our good churches. Do you know what that feels like? Have you ever done it to anyone? Whipping fellow Christians by our criticism, our whining, our complaining, thinking that we have the right to tell someone off in some of our good churches. And it's happening amongst pastors, between pastors, within our Christian denominations, within our Baptists. We have very different theology, and you get pastors whipping pastors with their words. The story is told of a man who burst into a church service carrying a semi-automatic, and he shouted to everyone, if you're not a true follower of Jesus Christ, you are free to leave, so get out now because I'm here to deal with the people who believe in Jesus. And most of the congregation grabbed their stuff and they got out. And there was a small group that stayed. And when the others had left, the gunman sat down and he said, okay, pastor, now continue your teaching because the real Christians are listening and they want to hear God's word. That is the area of opposition, number one. Christians are facing opposition from and within the church. The second area of opposition that Jesus mentioned is from the government. In verse 18, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. I left the Federal Public Service in August of 2002, so it would have been Christmas of 2001 that we were told we were not to say Merry Christmas. That was the first year. We were not to say it by email, we could not put it into a letter, and we were not to say it in person in the offices because we might be overheard. A pastor friend of mine was also asked to give a prayer to Cenotaph on Remembrance Day, but he was told he was not to use the name of Jesus or God. 
and churches and camps are feeling the effects of not receiving summer grants this very year because they've taken a stand for their beliefs when they signed the application government form, and so did we. A friend of mine called me Thursday night. She was on her way to take part in Country Star in St. John. It's something like Canadian Idol, and it was the first night of editions. And her song selection, what a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. We sang it here last week. And she was going to describe, she was going to be asked to describe herself. She was going to tell them she was a pastor, she was a worship leader. She was taking a risk. I prayed with her before she went. And I must say this morning, please do not hear me incorrectly, I believe in freedom of every religion. And Baptists in our history have been known for that. They have died for freedom for people to be able to worship according to their beliefs. But may we face opposition from the government by taking our stand as Christians in a way that is strong but gentle, but committed to our Lord Jesus Christ. Squirrel, I'm going to take a rabbit trail here just for a moment. Verses 19 and 20, it says, When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It, is, it will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. That is a verse that has been so misquoted and so misused, and it's like nails on a chalkboard when I hear someone say it. Because how many times have I heard people say, oh, the Holy Spirit will tell me what to say. I don't have to worry. And they're using that as their excuse for not preparing. Jesus was saying here, when you do not have time to prepare because you're being arrested for doing the job I'm sending you to do, then the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. That's very different. Vernon McGee told of a student with him in seminary, and the student actually believed that he should never preach without, uh, he should preach rather, without any preparation. So McGee and a friend of his went one night to hear this person preach, and he said it was painfully obvious that he had not prepared. So on the way back to the seminary, the three of them in the car, and the other friend had the nerve to bring up the conversation about this. And it went something like this. Did you prepare that message tonight? Of course, I did not. Well, then how did you get it? The Spirit of God gave it to me. To which came the response, I don't think you ought to blame that message on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so I had to throw that in because it's one of my pet peeves when I hear people say, oh, the Holy Spirit will help me and tell me. Yes, but. <laughs> the third area of opposition this morning that Jesus tells us we're going to face is opposition from family. And that, this is verse 21. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Very extreme. We include in this family and friends and neighbors and people we love and relationships. Rejection by loved ones. It can bring deep division. It can bring deep pain to us. And Paul says the preaching of the cross is as foolishness to others. So people will argue with us and ridicule us and not invite us and ostracize us from groups, even in the church, at work, 
And no matter how well we live or how gentle we may be, there may be turmoil in our homes when we decide to live for Jesus Christ. And we have a spouse or a parent or siblings or children who think it's all foolishness. And in Jesus' day, people betrayed their loved ones to the authorities, even their parents and their siblings. The message translation of the Bible says it this way, when people realize it is the living God you are presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good, they are going to turn on you, even people in your own family. There is a great irony there, it says, proclaiming so much love and experiencing so much hate. There is just one sentence I don't want us to miss in this passage. It's in verse 18 where Jesus said, Yes, you will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this is going to be your opportunity to tell the rulers and to tell unbelievers about me. As we've said, this is a hard chapter, one that we really don't want to think about, but we can feel that it is starting to happen in Canada today. So we need some encouragement out of this. We can start by thinking who Jesus sent when he sent them out. He was sending his 12 disciples, men from every walk of life, fishermen, political activists, tax collectors. The study notes of my Bible, the New Living Translation says, and I quote, Jesus called common people and uncommon leaders, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, Today, many people think that only certain people are fit to follow Christ, but this was not the attitude of Jesus. God can use anyone, no matter how insignificant he or she appears. When you feel small and useless, remember that God uses ordinary people to do his extraordinary work. End of quote. Another encouragement from Jesus comes in verse 26. He says, Do not be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed. Everything that is secret is going to be known. In other words, God will reveal truth. Our job is just to share his love and his message. And then Jesus says, Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. And he reminds us that this is for God's approval and acknowledgement when we stand up for him. Yes, we are vulnerable, but we're so valuable to God. And Jesus talks in the passage about even the smallest sparrow, and God knows. So Jesus says, don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. If you and I were asked to name this morning the one command that is repeated the most often in our Bible, I won't ask you to do that, but I wonder what we would say. How many of us would say, well, you have to live right. Say your prayers. Worship God more wholeheartedly. Give more money away. The command repeated most often in our whole Bible is do not be afraid. And Jesus uses it three times in this one passage when he sends his 12 out. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So it is a passage that's difficult to read. It's difficult to hear. And yes, fear does well up in us. 
until we hear Jesus say again, do not be afraid. Go, he says, and I will go ahead of you and prepare the way. And I will hold you up. And I will strengthen you. And I am with you always to the very end of the age. As I close our teaching time this morning and we prepare to share communion together, let me read this prayer. You may want to close your eyes, bow your heads, and say it in prayer as I read it. You may just want to listen. It reads, Jesus, we are trying to follow you. Some days, discipleship is a great joy, particularly when you say things that we like to hear. We like to hear you talk about peace, about forgiveness, about eternal life, and other sweet-sounding blessings. But Jesus, there are other times when you are difficult to follow, difficult to take, when being your disciple is a real struggle. Sometimes you say things to us that we can't understand. At other times you say things to us that we can fully understand and we don't like them. In these moments, we don't know what to do with you, but maybe that's the point. In following you as your disciples, our job is not to do something with you, but rather to have you do something with us. We are full of misunderstanding and misapprehension and fear when you speak to us such demanding words. We wonder if you made a mistake in calling us to be your disciples, and yet you did call us. Perhaps you know what to do with us. So even now in prayer, Lord, we are changing. You are transforming us. You are pulling us toward yourself, remaking us into the faithful followers that you would have us be. Lord, let it be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.